I am Consciously Curious, a podcast for those that are searching for a career or are cultivating meaning within their own space. We've had anesthesia providers to barbers, dog behaviors to airline pilots, white collar to blue collar, entrepreneurs to passion projects. Life's too short to not produce meaningful work. Join me, Victor Chan, as we deep dive within various industries. I'd love to hear your feedback, so feel free to leave a comment. I hope you find some value within these conversations, but more importantly, I hope it sparks a meaning within your own space. Our next guest has been playing the violin for about 25 years. She's worked with Yo-Yo Ma, Vic Mensa, Chance the Rapper, and so many more. You can find her performing at clubs around the city, as well as teaching kids of all ages. Be on the lookout for her new album, hopefully arriving in October, and find her on Instagram at Lil Sharp Raps. Please enjoy my conversation with Amanda Bailey. So welcome to the show, Amanda. Thanks for having me. And uh, just to, to start off, to build some credibility for those that aren't aware of you, how long have you been practicing? Playing the violin? Yes. Uh, since I was five, so I'm turning 30 this year. You do the math. <laughs> 25. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a while. Okay, and how long have you been, like, at what point, at five, so at what point did you start incorporating, like, hip-hop? Wow. Well. Who were some major influences? My sister, oh. <laughs> definitely. So um, she and I are 10 years apart. So when I was five, she was 15. Okay. Uh, in the 90s, like, you know, uh, we grew up in New York. So the 90s in New York in like the hip hop era was yeah. massive. So she would constantly be listening to Biggie, Tupac, mm. Method Man, DMX, like all that stuff. <laughs> and I was just like a little kid learning violin by ear. And I honestly feel like because I was learning music by ear and she was playing so much music that yeah. I kind of like synced those two things up and I kind of like grew up listening to a lot of hip-hop listening to a lot of classical music but kind of always keeping them in like the same space like as my favorite genre right. like they you know they're like always did she play the violin herself she she didn't she she did interesting <laughs> she maybe she, played she, for a couple months oh, but, okay, okay. yeah um but yeah so that's kind of how it all started and then um it wasn't until I was a teenager that I saw um, the hip hop violinist Miri Benari mm. um, perform with Kanye West and Twista. Um, the song "Overnight Celebrity" okay. is like her most, maybe most famous song. Um, and you know, s songs had had strings on them before, but she kind of took the role as like the hip hop violinist, okay. and uh, really just. You you will hear her on every if you hear strings on a track from like nineteen ninety nine to two thousand five, it's wow. her. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Like Alicia Keys. Yeah. Kanye. Um I mean she's worked with everybody. Yeah. So. No, it it adds correct is it it has a very like feminine feel to it. And it the adds violin. Yeah. Right. And it, so it, it adds maybe some contrast to the hip hop space. Huh. That's a that's it's a very cool contrarian. Way of it. Yeah. Um but they complement each other at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's it's 
unique and it's something that's fresh I, you don't really typically hear these things yeah complementing each other but when you do it's oh. like completely new element you yeah know? something that yeah. also comes to mind is like the first time i heard like a sexy saxophone on like edm <laughs> music like i'm like whoa what's going on here <laughs> a real insight. i'm just kidding <laughs> um okay so how who got you into this space into the string space was was it thrust upon you with your parents or or someone was like you just like picked it up Actually, um, so when I was about five, I think I was watching PBS, and there was a violinist performing, um, which I now know was Itzhak Perlman, Mm. one of the best violinists alive. Um, And he has these incredibly fat fingers. (laughs) And I remember they did a zoom in on the show yeah. of his fingers yeah. and they were just like vibrating which is something that like most of my students want to be able to do like when you see yeah. a violin being played and they're doing this thing with their with their left hand you're like what is that and how can I do it yeah and that's exactly how I felt I I was watching this like zoom in of this massive hand and I was just like Oh my god! And I remember running upstairs and being like, "Mom, can I play the violin?" Oh, at that okay. Yeah. You didn't, okay. This is before you started playing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of hit me. I was just like, I need to do this thing. Wow. And um, I honestly think she had been waiting for my whole five years for me to say that. <laughs> she was just like, "Yes." Did she play? No. No. Neither of my parents what? Uh, are very musical. Sorry, mom and dad. But not, not maybe not not in the playing sense. But do they did they listen to a lot of music? Yeah, yeah, oh. they were always playing music. Um, my mom loves classical music. My dad loves the Cranberries. <laughs> it was great. So they they always had music on in the house, and um, I think she signed me up for violin lessons like that day wow. or the next day. You know, she was like, "Okay, you want to do it? We're doing it." So. Um, yeah, I was very lucky. To... Did you think about any other instrument at that time? No. And how did no. you decide between violin and viola? Well, if you if you knew like what, I didn't you know. didn't even know. Okay. I didn't know. I saw the violin and I was like, that's it. And I don't think I knew of a viola until, you know, four or five years after that. Okay. Um, and now I I do play the viola, but that kind of that's like a story of its own. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and how often were you playing? Like learning? Um, I remember taking a, a group class every week. So that was me and like maybe 10 other little kids. Mm. And then I had a private lesson right after that. And then when I was a little bit older, I started taking fiddle lessons. Whoa. Yeah, which was so much fun. And um, yesterday I played a St. Patrick's Day gig and they asked me to like do some fiddly that, intros the video you just posted i did not <laughs> expect usher to come on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i was so excited to to get to um you know like reminisce and play some of these fiddle tunes i yeah. grew up with because right. that was really like the beginning of my education on violin. okay 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 um did you find yourself even after class or your private lesson just not putting it down and just continuing you just like kept going well after my first violin lesson ever i i don't know how i have all of these very strong memories i don't have i don't have very strong memories from other aspects of my life i don't think but i remember coming home and running 
to the bathroom and locking myself in and saying, I'm never going to another violin lesson. It was bad. It was so hard. Oh. And you, when you're yeah. that excited about something, oh. you don't consider that it might be impossible. <laughs> and I went to my first lesson and I was like, what are you talking about? It went this right is over your the head. worst. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she didn't even let me like hold a violin. It was probably just like. So that as a teacher now, that probably stuck with you. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you play that fine line of of being challenging but still welcoming? That's a great question. You know? that's that's what we all you know strive to. We we like have this balance that we need to to get to keep them loving the instrument or and loving music, but also to be progressing. How big is there a limit to your to your class size so you can pay enough attention? to each student um i co-teach with um with a colleague and so he kind of runs the ensemble in yeah. a way and uh i sometimes take out kids for like one-on-one time or sections mm. of the orchestra to do that uh, sometimes i sit in and play with them so that's that's always fun like when when i get to play with them because you know i feel like when you're um when you're a kid or even even now when I get to play with people that yeah. are older than me or more experienced, I'm always like, wow, okay, this is what I need to do to get there. And like, you know, it's inspiring. So right. I hope that, that, I hope they feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but at the same time, you get to see their process, like even mm-hmm. if they're younger than you mm-hmm. um, or less experienced than you, like what, how are they internalizing yeah. everything and to see where you stand still, like with who's learning everything right, right. now. Right, exactly. You know? Um, so after that first lesson, who got you out of that? Who snapped you out of that funk? I think my mom was like, you're going to your second lesson. <laughs> and I said, fine. <laughs> and I went and it was probably much better than I thought. It's kind of like um, at the gym. <laughs> when you think uh, if you're like lifting weights or something and you think something's going to be light and you pick it up like it's going to be light and it's super heavy. Yeah. But then if you do another rep and you're like, okay, this is going to be very heavy, prepare yourself. And then yeah. you pick it up and you're like, oh, that's super light. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of all mental. Like, so I, I probably went to that second lesson thinking it was going to be the worst. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay, I can, I can do this. You know? What, was it, did you have a conversation with the instructor at all? I don't remember. You don't remember? I was a baby. Yeah. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> What's a conversation at, when you're five? At what point? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. That's interesting. At what point did you did you gain any influences? Well, I think my biggest influence was was just like audio recordings of violinists and orchestras, um, because that was like constantly playing in my house. So that was a really mm. Uh, like you know always motivating me um and then it I mean your teachers are always someone that you want to that you look up to that you want to be more like so um definitely that and then when you're a kid I think your biggest motivation are the the kids around you right so you're like I'm okay, but like Justin is really good. Oh. <laughs> and 
and I'm going to be that good. And even even though he's like playing a song ahead of you in the first right, book, right, right. you're like, I'm going to do that one day, right. you know? So I think when I was younger, that was probably my motivation. At, at one point, how many hours do you think, if not hours, like years, if you were to still practice full time or learn full time, do you feel like you really got it under your belt, like a solid foundation hmm. under your belt? That's a an interesting question because I... And where is that line? Is that line when you can start improvising? Like you said, you know, you mm-hmm. prefer to close your eyes, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of landmarks. Yeah. Um, it's interesting for me because I was never a practicer. I know a lot of people who are practicers that, um, really enjoy just taking time and practicing or, or they kind of do it in a more frantic way, but they are practicers. And I've kind of always been more of a, uh, less is more. (laughs) So you felt you were, you were were naturally inclined. Don't tell my teacher that. You were naturally (laughs) naturally you know there was some natural talent to this it came naturally to I, yeah i i would like to think so um and i really took like uh you know rehearsals and performances as like okay if you can't do it now then like that that goes to show you you'd have to put in more work or you know um but what was the original question oh when did you think i like landmarks what yeah. was your first notable landmark in, in in realizing I'm making some serious progress. Oh, well, th- a couple that I can think of. When I was in fourth grade, mm. I got put into the fifth grade orchestra. Oh, okay. That's that cool. Was cool. That, is that cool. was cool. That was really cool because um, I felt like a superstar. Fourth, fourth grade. So you're probably 10, 11. You've been in it for five, maybe five, six years. Well, no, they didn't start it until fourth grade. The orchestra. But you've been school. practicing. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, This whole time. Exactly. So, yeah, the orchestra started in fourth grade. Everyone was kind of new, and I, I had been playing yeah. for a while. So, yeah, they bumped me up, and I was like, okay, cool, okay. And uh, then I think maybe the next one was probably closer to high school. Maybe I was a freshman in high school when I got into this orchestra that, like, all of my, you know, high school idols were in. And I remember saying to myself, like, if I get into this orchestra, I don't need anything else. Like I'm set. I'm so happy. And I got in and I was like, cool. What's next? <laughs> but, Always chasing the yeah, next thing. Yeah. But it was, that was such a satisfying group to be in. They were like, we were all so dedicated. You know how high schoolers get like, they can like really team together, like sp- over sports or like, right. you know, they can really like be a team. Right. And that's how it felt like. You felt we it were. felt communal. Yeah, very much. It was outside of school too, so I got to meet a bunch of different people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Was it is it at that point where you felt you can start improvising? That's a great question. I'm trying to think when improvisation really became a big part of my life. Um again, I fiddle I was in fiddle class and um I had done a lot of like non-classical music yeah. and then even in college in high school and college I was still doing like bands that had violin in oh, them okay, okay. that weren't classical um but in terms of improvisation I would say like the last five years from now yeah wow it's okay. really picked up and yeah. it's it's always there but you only get certain 
chances to utilize improvisation. Like, you know, if you're playing in orchestras, you'd never get to use that right, skill. Right. If, if you're um, teaching, you don't always get to, I, I incorporate mm-hmm. improvisation in all of my lessons. Right, right. So that's, I mean, I, I give my kids a chance to do that Okay. weekly, but I don't think I ever had that, that opportunity when, when so I was So it was just learning. on your downtime, on your own time? Were you yeah. still, how, how much of the hip hop were you incorporating? at that time in what time into into like into into your violin into playing into playing violin like at what point did you like like, i want to mix these two worlds yeah i think um from when i was 13 and i saw miri benari Mm -hmm. mix them that was the catalyst and it didn't i didn't have the chance to do it like it, it until I graduated of... from college, because honestly, what makes violin hip hop violin is not necessarily the way you play it, but it's it's the music that's accompanying it. Yeah. Right. So I might not be playing very differently from like what I just played earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, that versus a hip hop track, but it's all because of what's around it. Mm. Right. So when I graduated college is when I had the chance to first work with like Vic Mensa, mm. um, Tokyo, Joey Perp, like all these Chicago hip hop guys. And uh, that's when I first started to be able to like utilize but violin you, in hip hop. Interesting. Yeah, but you weren't. Did you ever experiment before them or that was your very first opportunity to start experimenting with the I two think worlds? I had like played along with tracks on YouTube and, um, you know, experimented in that way. I had never like made, like produced wow. a track or, yeah. uh, recorded myself doing that stuff Interesting. until a little later. So then did you feel, you felt ready? I mean, you obviously made the tracks, but how, how ready did you feel? Like, how did that dynamic happen? The, the partnership, the collab? So... I guess, like, who reached out to who? <laughs> That's a funny story. Because um, I was working in Symphony Center. Oh. Um, cold calling people to donate to the annual fund. Okay. Do you recognize this voice? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm calling today. <laughs> um, anyway, it was a shit job. But uh, am I allowed to? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, but the people that worked in the office were all young musicians Okay, and, uh, we had a blast. We had such a good time and I'm still friends with a lot of those people today. Lily Kay, what's up? Alicia Walter. Um, and we all, you know, talked and shared what we wanted to do in our careers and all that stuff. And Lily, Lily Kay was friends with Vic Mensa and he one day was like, I want strings for my album and she was like, well, I know just your girl. So she kind of set us up and he had mm. he had parts all written. And that's kind of how I got into oh, the scene there. Okay. Actually, then I showed up to the studio and I knew a bunch of people from like other oh, other dope. places. Small world. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's a really small musical world, especially in Chicago. It's like a big community. OK. A big family, you know. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of how I got in. And then. You know, if someone's there that hears strings on the track and they like it, they're like, what about mine? Right. So, you know, that's kind of how it, how it works. Interesting. Um, 
and that's with everything. If you hear like a dope bass player, you're like, yeah, what what are you doing uh, next week? You know, okay, okay, or a producer or a singer. Yeah, you know. And so, has it gotten to the point where they've given you creative freedom? Yes. Wow. So, I mean, it was a it was a learning curve. Like we were really young back then, and they, you know, those artists are younger than me, <laughs> little babies. Um, so, you know, we we had a lot of learning to do, but. Um, yeah, it kind of started with like, this is the part. How do you feel about that? What are you going to do? And now I show up, I set up and, you know, I listen to the track. I probably run through it like twice Yeah. and then they cut it up and take what they like. And wow. yeah, it kind of works like that now. But, you know, I still do a bunch of stuff for other people where if we haven't worked together, we might not know each other or mm-hmm. each other's styles. So, um, it might still be that first way of like, here's the sheet music what do you want to do with it? And then maybe from there, after we've gotten that all done, then we'll do like a creative pass where I'm like, okay, let me just, you know, put some, this, yeah, yeah. put some stuff on it. So. Interesting. Um, you mentioned off camera that you've worked with Chance and even gotten to play at SNL f- several times. Three times? Three now. times? Yeah. So can you like, yeah, share what was, what was that like? Going to New York and playing like it's probably, that's bucket list stuff. What a great thing. <laughs> how's how's you're like i think you're the third person um that came on the show that has collabed for with chance in some capacity really yeah oh that's awesome um, there was a magician that like really <laughs> yeah a mentalist that is he did tr- tricks uh a show at his family's oh my god <laughs> backyard that's so like funny. birthday party <laughs> yeah so chance and i met uh whew, five or six years ago now and uh i played on um, Surf, which is this album by uh, Nico Seagal, um, Donnie Trumpet. And uh, that's kind of how we met. And then I forget how that first SNL came about, but I just remember like showing up to 30 Rock and seeing, that's seeing SNL studios. And it's like this tiny space where they make this magic. I mean, I grew up in New York, so... <sighs> I would watch SNL every week. Yeah. For the first like 15 years of my life or right. something, you know. Right, right. Um and it was just a dream. It was actually a dream. So so cool to play there. Um and now it's old news. Okay. Now it's old. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Still awesome. <laughs> um It's funny cuz we the first two the first one and the second one were both Christmas episodes. Oh. And then this last one was a Halloween episode. So I'm trying to just go for the holidays. Oh, yeah. interesting. Oh, that's pretty. <laughs> yeah. That and New Year's. Yeah. Do, yeah, do yeah. Maybe a yeah, Valentine's Day show. Yeah. After, after high school, um, did you have any, like, what were your plans? Were you plans to go to art school, any type of college? What did you want to do? Yes. I wanted to be in a classical string quartet that toured the world and was in residence at a college. That's in residence at a college. Oh, like the teach the teaching artists. Wow. At a college, that was my ultimate dream. You couldn't stop me. Oh, that was really it. And um, you know, things work out different ways. What happened? Yeah. Well, I think finding a a group, a string quartet, is really like finding three other people to marry. It is such a close relationship. Um, I mean, you're, you're together all the time. You're rehearsing all the time. Do you have to have a group that applies together? What is that? How do, what do you mean? Well, not necessarily. 
Um, but but to find people to find f- three other people that you can imagine yourself being mm. being professional with, you all have to be on the same playing level. You all have to like, you know, vi- vibe together. Yeah. yeah, it's it's really intense. And so um, there were a couple points where I found two other people. Or like one other person and we were yeah. like, we're going to do this. But, you know, it never really worked out in terms of like finding a full group that like could really commit. And, you know, that that's fine. And so at a certain point, that's actually how I um, started playing the viola. These other two musicians and I were like best friends. We were, we were really going to do it. And we couldn't find a violist. So I was like, after a certain point, I was like, you know what, guys? I'm the violist. (laughs) (laughs) I borrowed someone's viola. We read music every single night to try to, like, you know, like, uh, jumpstart my learning. Yeah. Can you quickly explain, like, the main differences? (laughs) Sure, sure. Uh, A viola is a little bit bigger than a violin. It's strung differently. It has the strings of a cello. Oh, so it's deeper. It's deeper than a violin, but it's actually an octave up from the cello. So it's not the same as the cello. Um, And then the sheet music is written completely differently. So it's in a different clef. Um, So that was the hardest hurdle. So, yeah, every night. this (laughs) These guys were amazing. They just, you know, kept reading with me until I could read, essentially. It was like I was a baby and they were just like trying to get me to grow up. and then yeah, so we were like, we'll just look for a violinist now, and that didn't that didn't work out. Really, sadly. So, so you were hoping that it was gonna be easier to find a violinist right. than a violist. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So that kind of put me into like this whole other part of my life where I fell in love with the viola, and I just wanted to play it all the time. Yeah. And I auditioned for a few orchestras and and played viola in those ensembles, and um, yeah, it was really a great. Great time in my life. And now I play and teach both. And um, So did you do the whole, co- you didn't, did you do the college thing? Or yeah. You did yeah. do the college thing. I, I went to school for violin performance. Oh, okay. Was this yeah. in New York or here? No. Uh, well, yes, upstate New York. Um, I went to a state school, SUNY Fredonia, um, because my teacher, I took a lesson with this woman, Janet Sung, and f- fell so in love with her teaching style and her playing and all of this stuff. And I was like, I can't go anywhere else. I have mm. to go where you're teaching. Mm. And um, so I studied with her for two years. And then she had this meeting in her office and was essentially sat us all down and said, I got a job in Chicago. I'm taking it. <laughs> and... You know, we all started crying. We were like, you can't leave us. <laughs> you know, what are we going to do? Like, this is why we're here is right, for you. Right. And um, I felt like I was on Oprah. She was like, but I've made a deal with them and you can all come. <laughs> Get out of here. What? I felt like I had won the lottery. Honestly, I was. we were just like, okay, so we're going to Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> and... Honestly, it was maybe the day before spring break or something like that. And none of us had ever been to Chicago. And so we decided we're all going to squeeze in a car and drive overnight and and spend like a day in Chicago. (laughs) And so that's what we did. And we showed up here. And um, I 
it was uh, DePaul was the school that she oh, nice. started teaching at, and uh, we showed up, and it was their spring break as well. But there was one kid practicing in the practice rooms, and I knocked on his door, and I was like, hey, we're from out of town. <laughs> like, what's this city all about? And he was like, give me a minute. I'm going to call some friends. He put his violin away, and they essentially threw a party for us. We That's Chicago for you. Man, we had like this rooftop <laughs> party. They, I, that, I can't remember a better night than that. Yeah, yeah. With just strangers. Right. And, I know, right? You Midwest know, the best. Seriously. And uh, that was it for us. We were like, okay, we're I mean, sold, there's yeah. no That's question. Awesome. So we showed up and then we were all friends and we were going to school with these people that we were partying with. And, That's amazing. Oh, man. It was just perfect, really. So post-college, what did you want to do? Was, um, was there a time where you're like, was it ever hard to <clears throat> get a gig and you felt like you needed a like a, a real nine to, ever a nine to five ever did you ever hold a nine to five i've never had a nine to five wow i've been very fortunate <laughs> uh yeah it's just very lucky um i've supplemented with with teaching sometimes uh with like more teaching or less teaching yeah um i'm really a performer so yeah like that's if i could just travel and play and you know you're doing it <laughs> yeah You're yeah doing it feels it, great so um when i graduated college yeah that's like pretty much that that start of the next year um i got into an orchestra on viola and i was playing with that ensemble and then i started doing a lot of recording sessions yeah. um so yeah it was kind of like a mix of like this classical job i mean that was like my job you got paid to be on an orchestra Mm -hmm. um is that is this like is that what a lot of performers are is that seeking yeah i would say so okay um and is it is it like is it hard like a hard to get your foot in the door it is well the civic orchestra is a training ensemble Mm. so um it doesn't pay a full-time salary uh, but the opportunities that that orchestra gets to oh. to work with all of the conductors that come through and and conduct the Chicago Symphony, um, they get to uh, play with members of the CSO. Um, they get to work with Yo Yo Ma. Yeah. So, I mean, even though it doesn't pay a professional salary, you get so many opportunities to That's, meet. That- you get to meet like a hundred people who are your age trying to do the same thing who are like living in your city and it's a beautiful connection really. yeah what i it, i haven't heard much about the cso strike oh what happened with that uh they resolved it they resolved it and what was the, the <laughs> it issue? Was, was the they, longest strike i think they've ever they, had they weren't being financially compensated or was it more than that it was more than that i can't remember all of their terms and it was the players right yeah okay yeah performers um man i wish i had the the list of their and what did cso just justify oh you have all these opportunities to meet these great people and well no the cso is a different league you know they're they're like the best in the world they don't need opportunities to like meet meet other no no no, i know but like how did they justify this the state the low wages you know like why how did cso i mean i think the it's a little complicated because their wages are not low. They have oh. they have really great salaries. Um but 
I'm not sure that the salary was necessarily their their oh, biggest okay, okay. point. Sure. I think it was some other, things, other things, and that's that's mm. what I can't remember right now. That's yeah, like maybe their their time off, or or maybe their pension. Um, you know, some other like elements of of their. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. 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 And so, after that, um, what did you? Were there any gigs that that you went on? Yeah. After that ensemble. <laughs> do you know? Do you know the answer? I think I do. <laughs> um. Well, it was I guess pretty. F- far in the future for fast forwarding so i was in that ensemble for two years on the viola two mm-hmm. years i re-auditioned on the violin and um and then after all of that um i had a friend approach me and he was like i want to audition for this uh this ensemble that plays on cruise ships which sounds very silly um but uh, it's this program called Lincoln Center Stage. Okay. And they're amazing. I mean, they, they, uh, it's, it's, uh, a partnership for, for, um, Lincoln Center, um, this, this entertainment group, RWS, and then, uh, Holland America cruise ships. And essentially they put together a piano, piano quintet and the group plays like really challenging repertoire. They play all of the standard Brahms, Dvorak, some Bach, um, and then they also get to play jazz arrangements, like pop, rock, yeah. you know, like a bunch of, but the arrangements are pretty challenging. Wow. And um, meanwhile, you're sailing across the world. You get paid to travel now. I mean, okay, so I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> uh, so my friend asked me to audition for the ensemble and um, we both got in, but separately. Yeah. So he went right away, and uh, it wasn't until maybe six months later that I got the call, and I decided to take it. So it was uh, about four months, and I think we hit over 50 cities. We started in... Around the world. mm -hmm, We started in the Caribbean. That was our... our, um, starting point we did that for a week and then we crossed the atlantic ocean um we wound up in uh rome well we hit a couple places before that but rome was our home port did the entire mediterranean and then we went up and our other home port our last home port was um was amsterdam and we did the entire baltic we went to russia uh finland estonia playing different music in different areas? Yeah, yeah. Oh. So um, the cool thing about the program is that you can add whatever classical music you want. So when we went up to Russia, we were doing the Russian composers. <laughs> and when we went to Finland, That's we were so doing, cool. you know, um, Sibelius. And it was great. It was. I mean, it's so much fun. It really, again, if you don't have a group that you love, it makes it really but challenging. But you don't know but the group before you audition, right? You don't. Interesting. Yeah, so they kind of... They kind of play matchmaker also, but uh, we got very lucky. I'm yeah. still friends with all those, yeah. all those guys. So, um, yeah. And then I've done it a couple times since. It's Did really you get, I get seasick. Do you get seasick? Oh, on a it's a massive ship. Oh, so no. Okay. It's like... I slept like I did an Airbnb on a catamaran. That's <laughs> completely different. This okay, is like yeah. a floating city. I know, I know. It's like uh, 13 floors. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's insane. 
you don't feel anything okay <laughs> it's like it's like your hotel is moving it still felt like a vacation yeah okay yeah it's a it's a great uh great opportunity mm-hmm. i have a, a bunch of friends doing it right now they're in australia new zealand and argentina Wait, what, even with the antarctica um well okay are so they locked some down, of them some of them the are getting sent home i think uh, but, okay you know ships are not the place to be right now <laughs> they're really not <laughs> and so after your stint was up did you you didn't continue it like what happened what was your phase well, well even before like when you yeah how easy was it to drop your city life to go do that well um it was it was fortunate um the way it worked out because i had a tour a europe tour that i was doing in november with a group or with your with a group oh. with um, my ensemble mockrep m-o-c-r-e-p Lockrep.org. Uh, <laughs> so we had a, a Europe, a little Europe tour canceled. Uh, canceled. What? Scheduled. Scheduled. It's, it's because everything's getting canceled no. right now and I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> oh my God. So we went on a Europe tour in November and then I had like a China tour in December, January. And then I got asked to do the cruise ship in March for four months. So um, I teach at a school, obviously, and um, what I did was ask them for a sabbatical for the year because I wanted to tour and play music and, yeah. you know, do all of this stuff. And my school, my supervisor, like they, I couldn't be more grateful for them. They wow. were like, you know, you're a musician, you're teaching our students music and we want you to be as strong of a musician as you can be. So wow. take that opportunity and oh. do this thing and come back and like, let's get it, yeah. you know? And I was yeah. like, I'm with you. Let's do it. You know? Yeah. So what about home life? Were you, were you dating the, the husband at the time? I was. Yeah. Um, it's funny. He came when I got over to Europe, he flew out. Um, cause it was a good, good, uh, route that week we were doing oh, like cool. bunch of Spain, France, Aww. Italy. Mm. And, uh, he proposed. Oh, that's where he did it. Oh, yeah. In Barcelona. Cool, cool, cool. So that was cool. Good job, Thomas. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, it's it's not easy being away. You know, being a musician and having a home life is always challenging, um, especially if, you know, your musician life includes touring. And, you yeah. know, if you're in the CSO, you're like, okay, this is my hometown, right. you know. You, right, right. you can stay and play the concerts, but for a lot of musicians, it's a different story. Mm. So, you know, you juggle it. You do what you can. Yeah. He and I are pretty independent, so we're lucky. <laughs> well i just i would feel bad to like hold someone back you can't yeah from living their full life mm-hmm. um when you're about to perform do you have a ritual is there something that puts you in that flow state to hype you up yeah shot of tequila a shot of tequila <laughs> is there a specific tequila well i do love a mezcal, mezcal. um no jokes uh <laughs> let's see well actually yeah um I used to get really nervous mm. before I would perform, especially Palm class. sweaty. Yeah. Like Eminem. Palm, my knees were weak and just felt like my arms were heavy. You know? um, yeah, especially classical music. Like when you're performing and you have a thing that people know and they're expecting you to execute, it's really nerve wracking. So, mm. you know... What happens with a lot of violinists, especially young musicians, is uh, their bow starts to shake. You know, it's like if you're oh. reading from a script and your your hands are shaking. Yeah. You know, they can see the paper. Um, 
so you know you get this sound that's like (laughs) did i just do that on the air (laughs) so um yo-yo ma actually taught me this this breathing technique which i use every time i'm nervous every time i think i might be nervous every time i'm like going into a situation where i could potentially be nervous you know i i do these breathing exercises um which is really great. You you breathe in for six counts and then you hold it for six and then out for another six and then hold it. So it's like it's like a box. I think of like um just a square box. Yeah. And you're kind of just going around. You do that like you know, four That's or five actually how times. people normally breathe though. But not for you know, six the seconds. The holding. The holding. The holding is really what calms you down. Yeah. Or and and just Focusing on a singular aspect mm-hmm. and letting your mind not be attached to the nervousness or the anxiety. Yeah, exactly. And that. How many reps? Me. How many reps do you think you're you're doing before you're like, okay, I got this? I'd say minimum five. Yeah. Feels good. That's when you start to be like, I'm a human. I'm ready for and, this. And these. Know? So what? Where did the nervousness come from? Was it like a lack of, like, potentially not meeting people's expectations nerves are a very elusive thing they're very you can go into a situation primal. and be like i am not nervous and then your body tells you something else no you're nervous <laughs> yeah you thought you weren't nervous watch out yeah it's crazy it's again like kind of like the weightlifting thing if you're like i'm not nervous then you're like <laughs> but if you're like i'm nervous and i'm gonna like take this and yeah. and do something with it um that's when you can really like harness it but actually now that i say that i'm remembering another teacher um who i i met through one of these you know festivals and she oh i love this she she explained that sound in such a beautiful way like the sound that you make when you're nervous when you have this like this unsure sound it's very human and you can take that and make it even more human you know like like taking that and rethinking of it thinking of it in a different way as if not as if it's uh like something to just get rid of but as like you know a quiver in the voice or something like that is really beautiful interesting and you know i think of that a lot as well it's like it's like harnessing it and instead of letting it control you you control it yeah exactly exactly and that like can completely change what's going on in the moment you know do you do you get any of that these days any nervousness trying to think when the last time because you know at the when i when i came the other week um last week you were just like fed off the energy of the crowd yeah and and that was it. I, it, I didn't I love sense performing. any of that. I love it. Um, I'm trying to think when the last time. <sighs> See, when when I improvise, I don't ever get nervous because, again, it's like you're not expecting or a certain thing to come out. You're just you're just there with me, so I can like feed off. Of, yeah, exactly. Off of what's going on and and react to it. Whereas if you're playing you know Tchaikovsky violin concerto you're like I messed up people are there for that and yeah, yeah I played that wrong mm. when you're improvising you cannot play anything wrong okay when you play something wrong I air quote it yeah uh you just convince them that you meant it oh that's oh. it 
that's it. That's what I tell my students. Like you, you just, yeah, I said that, with that. and I meant it, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that's, that's what it is. So it's a lot different. Um, and you know, I feel like even when I'm playing classical music or like, you know, written music, um, I'm approaching it differently. Do you, do you prefer one or the other, these singular improv performances or being part of a larger group being like being able to like collaborate with other groups it's a balance i really love it all okay and to kind of keep it all is sometimes just challenge sometimes a challenge um because there's only so many hours in the day so you know i've kind of lately let go more of my classical side which you know I miss it sometimes. So like last week I picked up a classical gig because I was like, I miss it. You know? Okay. So you just kind of, you have to be checking in with yourself and being like, uh, you know, what, what am I, what am I loving doing right now? What am I missing? Yeah. And what can I, what can I did you, do without? Did you ever feel like it, it was turning into a job and the passion was escaping you? Not so much. Interesting. Just, um, okay. you know, if I'm, just improvising maybe i miss collaborating if i'm just collaborating Mm. maybe i miss playing in an on like playing orchestra music maybe you know maybe i want to play more string quartets you know so i don't think i've ever felt like oh i need to get rid of this but more of like i want to do more of that Mm -hmm. does that Mm. make sense it does yeah yeah a lot of self-awareness i guess so checking in with yourself um there's a lot of power in playing performing these hip-hop songs that people have come to love there's a lot of power in nostalgia mm-hmm. um what like are you working on original content i am you are <laughs> <laughs> i am <laughs> album 2020 uh yeah i'm gonna try to uh, release something in the fall um that I've been working on for far too long and I just have to get it out there, you know? But at the same time, it's like, don't want to rush these things either. Sure, yeah. That's one way of looking at it. (laughs) (laughs) The other way is like, you've been sitting on this for forever and you need to just do it. But like, this this whole time, you've been building a brand, the Lil Sharp brand. Mm -hmm. And I think, what do you attribute a lot of your notoriety from? From the classical side, from the little sharp side, like that's an interesting question. I think you it, know it all ties in together again. And yeah. um, there, there's not one thing that I love more than the other thing. Okay. You know, it's it's really hard to kind of separate everything out, which is why I like uh, you know adding classical elements into hip hop music, um, which is why I like adding jazz elements into classical music, which is like you know I think it's all. I love it. So yeah, yeah, that the album that I'm I'm creating is is also like reflective of that. So there's going to be a lot of classical elements, but a, you know, it's it's a hip hop feeling. Album. What do you what do you think though has attributed to a lot of the brand awareness though? Which performances? What do you mean? Was by it that? was it you laying tracks for Vic Mensa and Chance and or is it these these one offs at like the vig or bandit Mm -hmm. well i love i i love collaborating so like whenever i get a chance to work with chance or you know any of these 
artists. Like I love being a part of their vision. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Uh, there's like a great, um, Chance's musical director, Peter Cottontail is an amazing artist and working with him is just like so inspiring to me. Yeah. Um, and sh- yeah, Chicago just has such a great scene of people. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like that's kind of where I get my energy from. And th- and then I bring it to a nightlife scene or like the club and, yeah. and you know, I kind of like spread it there. And, and but, but those are the areas that are most unexpected of mm-hmm. your performance. Like, like, like the guys that, that we bumped into, we were, they, I only came up to them cause they were like, are these seats taken? Can we oh, share? Yeah. Can we share? We don't like, you know, just standing. So, um, and then, they came in. They came in because they heard a violin. Really? That's, That's awesome. That was like that was it. And they're like, "There's a violin in here." And then I love that. And then they stayed because he started rapping. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. You know, I I played a gig mm, two nights ago, and someone came up to me after I played, and he said, "I've seen you play before. I know all of your stuff." Blah blah. blah. Oh. And after after the last time I saw you play. I went and I bought a violin for myself. That's so cool. And I was like, what? And he was like, I don't know how to play it. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And I was like, hit me up. I'm going to give you a free lesson. Like, that's beautiful. That is so touching. I mean, it's... Yeah. <laughs> that someone would, like, be inspired enough to to buy your oh, instrument. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I was really touched. So, you know, stuff like that is amazing. Okay. Yeah. Where else do you think you'd like to take this? You want to do on like after the album's out, are you going to do like a, like a Miss tour? Miss Worldwide. Right? Like, what are you going to, what do you want to do? <laughs> yeah, I would love to tour it. Um, like, would you, would you like ever want to play Lollapalooza? That's a great question. Um, I... The answer is yes, but in what capacity? Mm. Um, because I I have a problem sharing my music that I've written, that I've created. Um, I'm like a little self-conscious, I think. Sharing but when with it's, the world? What do you mean? Sh- uh, like if it was my album. But if it was your album that I played on, yeah, I would be all in. You know what, what? I mean? It's, it's a isn't funny... That, isn't that part of what the tour is going to be? That's the tour. Yeah, but you know... My album is me. Yes. Your album is you and I'm on it. It's like a different... So what What do you mean? So what would the tour entail if you're not sharing your own album? No, it would, it it would, would be, be that. Album. Yes. But like playing Lala... How is that different from... It's different. It's different? <laughs> Isn't everyone else playing their own thing? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, what's different? What do you mean? I think I'm just self-conscious of self-conscious. my stuff. Self-conscious. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know. You know, because I'm a I'm a violinist, you know, and I I'm a vocalist, and uh, isn't that something we need more of? I in in the I lala, do lala, think so. in the lala space. I maybe. do think so, but um, you know, it's it just takes a little time for me to come around to it. So. Do you think that's what's holding you back with producing this album? Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, you put it out in the world now. There it is. <laughs> October 2020. No, no shit. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> It's in the world. I can't get rid of it. Now. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So that's where it's at. 
what like ideally would you want to just all perform and not or how much teaching do you love doing i i love teaching you love teaching i really do um my kids are great what age uh eight to 18 so it's a lot of like when you first started yeah interesting um i teach an improvisation class okay in the high school um they're great we get to like you know experiment with a bunch of weird stuff um and then in the grade school i do the orchestra program and um, i have a bunch of private students so i think you know if i had to pick i would definitely keep my private students because i feel like we have such a personal connection um obviously like i would love to tour more you know it's it's a hard balance especially when you have um you know so many things to juggle in terms of like your personal life and you know touring is not easy it's it's challenging but it's so rewarding what what would be your ideal stage in the world like a performance Wow. I guess not not stage, but I mean, with that, the crowd, right? What type of crowd do Mm -hmm, you think mm -hmm. you'd want to perform for? Like, where does Anderson Pack play? Tiny Desk? Yeah. You want to do Tiny Desk? Yeah, it's Tiny tiny Desk. desk. (laughs) Yeah, let's do That's it. Man, I've been so close to playing Tiny Desk like five times. Oh, this close, like five times. I'm, I'm gonna get. What do you gotta do to make it? Ha- where, where are they? Is it Chicago or where? where no, they're where? in New York. New York. Where, mm-hmm. so, okay, so. Oh, or DC. I can't remember. Yeah. I thought New York. Um, and just schedules weren't lining up. No, it's just yeah, it's been different situations with everybody. I've, I've almost gone with a couple different. Oh, okay, people. okay. Um, but yeah, no, that's up next. That'll be cool. That's so dope. <laughs> that's so sick. Yeah. Um, can you let's let's jam about this whole Corona issue? Wow. Well, I'll just start by saying it's a crazy time. Yeah. And like, shout out to everyone who's making it work because you know none of us really know what to do. Right. Um, but I do think it's going to be a creative time, mm. and that's exciting. Um, how are we going to you know come together when we can't come together? <laughs> That's so insane to me. Uh, You know, I'm trying to have rehearsals on Skype and like, um, you know, I had someone hit me up today. I was telling you, but um, she's putting together like a beautiful piece that um, people from all over the world are playing it at the same BPM in the same key, like uh, the same tuning and like wearing the same thing and she's going to like splice it all together. So, you know, we can kind of feel like we are together, even though, you know, that's not possible right now. Um, you know, and I think really beautiful things like that are going to be coming out of this. Right. But in the meantime, it's it's really going to be a struggle financially for a lot of people. You know, a lot of people who have had tours canceled, big gigs. Right. You know, they're just not they can't happen right now. And, you know, even for a a big tour to be rescheduled later, that's fortunate, but maybe it pushes something else out. Right, to keep keep the money still there. Yeah, so, you know, I think a lot of us are relying on, you know, maybe people who have salaries or or can support the arts right now to, you know, buy merch, buy CDs, buy, you know, 
like but and then we talked we also talked about you know <clears throat> this is a luxury to be able to record a podcast things things like like merch and tat we talked about a tattoo convention like all these mm-hmm. things when you think about you know not that the world is ending but if the world was ending like what really matters like exactly you know food and and your your health you know and yeah. it's it's tough when when you want to support the artists and the performers and everyone's kind of kind of got to be look it's tough you got to look out for yourself but we're you got to be communal as well it's yeah it's like this is all we have is each other so exactly maybe yeah, i don't know it's maybe those that have gigs can hey you want to come and come on with this gig i don't know it's like where where do we yeah in what ways do we come uh, together it's definitely gonna be like a brainstorming process you know um yeah i think there's how, some there's yeah. some really creative things coming out of it um and i'm excited to kind of see and where how, that yeah, goes and how that sticks you know like yeah. after this is all over what of what of this time like you know this time that we can't be together like we're creating alternative concert spaces like we're um you know teaching kids from from afar like what of that is going to stick later down the road like are we still going to yeah, keep doing that right? are we like going to build on that you do it and you find out that it's super successful and yeah and i, I think that's exciting i do <laughs> uh you know i hope it doesn't eliminate things that we find dear like live music <laughs> like, please keep live music around you right. know but you know maybe it'll open the door for other types of performances and stuff like that What else are you more most excited about in uh, 2020 besides this album? Oh God, it's hard to think about 2020 right now. So much it has happened. not been cool. <laughs> My birthday's coming up. Oh snap! <laughs> uh, Dirty thirty, big thirty, huh? Yes, I'm ready. Can I'm you, here wh- for how, it. How are your twenties? If you were to reflect. Oh, twenties sick. <laughs> <laughs> twenties are great. Um. I feel like 26 was really my year. I can't remember what happened. That's where you blossomed? I think so. Who knows? Um, what do you attribute it to? Just feeling more confident. Okay. No, knowing, like when you're a kid, you you have a lot of ambition, but not a lot of knowledge. Mm. And then kind of like in your mid-20s, you're like, I have the, I can do it. Like I have the capacity and the means and like, you know, I know more people and I I am good at my craft and, you know, then you can like start making moves on that stuff right, that you right. had wanted to do yeah. but couldn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what thirties hold. Like an old fart now. <laughs> you do not feel old. No, I don't feel old. No, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever feel old. Yeah. My gigs are still midnight to 2 a.m. So I oh, still gotta, <laughs> gotta stay young. So is there any part of you that feels like you'll eventually settle? Uh, in the back of my mind, but really in the front of my mind, I'm like, what's next? Like, what are we doing? Where are we going? You know, um, you know, I'm, I'm just like always, you warned me about that. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm always like hungry for, for the next thing. So, yeah. So with, with that, but like you're, you, I feel like you're definitely enjoying the present moment. 
but I also sense that you're never maybe satisfied or you're always looking for more. Yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, you could be the type of person who's never satisfied and, like, doesn't, just wants the next thing. Yeah. But I want the next thing and I'm satisfied, which is a funny combination. Like, you know, I've I've been... I've been in Chicago for 10 years and maybe, maybe a move on the horizon. Maybe. To where? Where? Are you, you, have you been to the West Coast? Oh yeah, I hate LA. You hate LA. Well, it doesn't have to be LA. The West Coast is beautiful. What a beautiful part of the world. But you know, um, I have a couple different, uh, couple different places in you mentioned mind. mexico earlier oh i did yeah <laughs> <laughs> just moving back take it all up and move um you know but but when i think about moving it's not because i'm not satisfied here i love chicago mm. i love the people i love what i'm doing you know and it would be so hard to leave yeah you know but at the same time i i don't i don't want to like deny myself other experiences and you know Maybe. Do you feel like you'd be giving up some of your personal life to to pursue this, or do you th- do you think your personal life would just come with you? It'd come with me. Oh, okay. yeah, we're taking it. <laughs> yeah. What um, what advice would you give for new students coming in to get over maybe the early frustrations, the early like Ooh. humps? It's a great question, because that's that's real. Like when you start. Yeah. Anything new, a language, an instrument, a s- sport. I don't know. I don't do sports. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you start something new, you have all of this energy yeah. around it, around what it's going to be. And then you see how difficult it can be. And those two things are really hard to, to juggle. So I would say as much as you can keep the playfulness. So for young musicians, mm. tiny musicians, just playing it doesn't matter what comes out yeah you know if they're able to make any sound you know it doesn't always yes technique is important yes you know we have things in place that like to be a good musician you must check off these boxes but never lose that that excitement how can they be playful if they're just if all they they can't even put notes together yet that's okay that's okay no they don't have to be able to put notes together you just put the bow on the string wiggle it (laughs) you know Maybe you maybe you don't have a bow. Maybe you just strum it, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. a guitar. And yeah. then you, you know, put some fingers in places and just kind of play around and see okay. what's coming out. Um, you know, and I, that's what I do with like, you know, I picked up a flute last week for the first time. So how was that? Because I, I took a jujitsu class like mm-hmm. two weeks ago for the first time. Nice. Being brand new at another mm-hmm. field or another industry. Yeah. What was the flute like? Well, I mean, I almost passed out. <laughs> I swear, I I was like on it for a minute, and I was like, oh, wow, this is something else. Are you passing out? Because I'm passing <laughs> But, you know, my friend actually gave me a flute to play for a little while, so I've been just picking it up. Anytime I walk past it, I pick it up. Oh, good for you. Which is like a funny thing because I'm getting better at it without even like really practicing it. Mm. I just pick it up, and before I, I didn't really in this like span of a week. I couldn't 
get a sound until I had been holding it there for like, you know, a minute or two. And now I walk past it, I pick it up and I can make a sound right away. Wow. And that's, you know, you have to just recognize Im improvement or like acknowledge improvement mm. wherever it is. And that's yeah. a stupid small improvement like to a f flautist. But it's enough you know? to give you a little boost in momentum. Exactly. You're like, okay, I can make a sound. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm only playing one note. It's an F. <laughs> but that's fine. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm like a young violinist. <laughs> yeah. You you spoke on like learning a language. Mm -hmm. Playing an instrument is a language. Mm -hmm. What has that? What is like the the language of music done for you? I don't know. Like, has it opened? Like, are you? Do you conceptualize the world in a different way? And you're learning Hungarian as well, right? So like, yeah. are you able to see the world in a different perspective? Cause, cause it's hard to say because I've always played music. Yes. Hmm. Right. But is it different from just like someone who just speaks English? Like, is it is it a different lens? It, it is a different lens. It is like a different in what lens. in what way? You know, like. Do you play music? I played violin for like two years, <laughs> starting fourth grade, and then I moved, and then I, you know, I, I uh -huh. should have I, sh I want I should have kept up with it. So. I mean, I don't think you have like a more narrow scope of the world, you know, that's, it's an interesting question because even though you don't play music, like you do so many other things that supplement different views, you know, even if you only speak English, maybe you have like a higher concept of, you know, science. Mm. So I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how to answer the question because yes, it is definitely a new lens. But I'm trying to think, you know. It's just how, another opportunity to relate to someone, I guess. You know, yeah, like, yeah. like you, was it, the, it was the New York subway, right? Where Berlin. You like, Berlin, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. You told me this before. Yeah. Berlin. And uh, you were able to just like, they were like, here. And yeah. you're like, okay. And then they you spoke on it. They spoke a tiny bit of English. <laughs> I speak no German. Uh, or I think they were Iranian. Yeah. I don't speak. It's just like the Berlin subway. Yeah. I was in the subway in Berlin and saw this incredible group of guys playing um like middle eastern music and um i just went up to them and, and i was like you guys are amazing yeah. i play the violin like like i i said i play the violin as like i'm a musician and and that's you know i'm giving you my just kudos, my thumbs like just, up yeah yeah, yeah, yeah right yeah. right right so and um like play? He, <laughs> yeah he just like shoved his violin at me and was like play and i was like yeah, I'd love to. You guys start it off and I'll come in and improvise. And they were like, no, you start it. <laughs> oh, shit. And I was like, mm, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I just, I don't know. I, I just played something. I It's funny because the violinist and I had completely different styles. Mm. He's like a like crazy improviser. You know, he's like. Wow. And uh, I came in like slow and steady just like <laughs> <laughs> and uh they just like jumped in and we jammed for i think the train was like 10 minutes away we jammed for nice. like 10 minutes and uh i didn't even get their names or anything because the train came and i just shoved the violin back in them and i was like i love you guys wow. <laughs> yeah it is wild but exactly like connecting with people not being able to really speak the same language 
which you know is a reason that maybe I feel like I can move yeah a number of places because as a musician you you just connect and and can perform you don't necessarily you know of course you need to know a language if you live in another mm. country but uh yeah maybe there's more opportunity there Are, is there a bucket list um of dream artists you would like to collaborate with oh definitely lizzo what's up oh. uh, i play the flute now no <laughs> f <laughs> <laughs> um yeah anderson pack uh frank wow. ocean um isaac perlman what's up childish if childish are still around Damn. Um, I what I went over before. I wish I, I'll do it now. Um, ask it now. Is how do artists get these gigs? Are you do you have a, like a management company? I do. Yeah. Right. Is it is that required? Do you feel like that's required? I don't. No. Right. He uh my my management company Trouble Monsters, um, they're amazing and they book all my nightlife stuff, um. I love them. Couldn't be more grateful for like that aspect of of my career. But there's so many aspects, and mm. I feel like a lot of it is word of mouth, friends, um, just connections you make from going to jam sessions, being a good person. Yeah, you know, that like goes and longer, it does. And you know, I've I have friends all over the world that I could just be like, "Hey, I'm in," you know, oh. uh, Iceland for a couple days like you got anything <laughs> you know? and uh you know hopefully frank hooks it up or whatever yeah. you know but yeah i would say that's probably the biggest um like the the m most work i've ever gotten is because of friendships and connections like okay that. Yeah. and so for the rising um artist would you how do you go about navigating getting gigs then if they don't, if they aren't managed, well, is it door to door? Is it like social media? Actually, social media is an amazing thing. Yeah, and I've met, I mean, I met you on yeah. Instagram. Shout um, out Emma. Yeah. yeah, 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 um, and just the connection that can happen there is so awesome. I'm, I'm teaming up with a beatboxer. Um, he's not a beatboxer. He's a rapper. <laughs> Thinking of someone else. Um, and we're going to we're going to collaborate and do some stuff. So, you know, that's like kind of the new era of of connection. But I feel like the old fashioned way of just like, oh, you have a project. I'm happy to work on it is yeah. is a great way to go. Um, if you're a classical musician, just uh, trying to audition and, and getting the word out that that's what you are about. Like, you know, people just want to know if I think of this if I think of classical music, if I think of a string quartet, who comes to mind? So if you're, you know, if you're really about like chamber music, let people know that. And then when they have that gig or they, they want to put an ensemble together, they, you're the person that comes to mind. Yeah. What was it like being in the presence of Yo-Yo Ma? <laughs> what is it like every time? He's an amazing person. Even this pastime, I've, I've spent a lot of time around Yo-Yo and he never, ever ceases to inspire me. Hmm. Being in the same room with him is inspiring. W without him playing? Yeah. I mean. What is it like? What is it about it? Like that he carries himself? Like what? what is it? 
it's funny because uh i saw him two weeks ago and the day after that i taught my improv class and i kind of poised the question to them who or what inspires you and what can you do to be an inspiration to somebody else because every time i see yo-yo i feel like i need to be a better person okay (laughs) a better you know not better uh I need to keep going. I need to do it further. You know, I'm fine where I'm at and I want to grow and improve. And, you know, I feel like that comes from, I mean, he's a, he's honestly one of the best, most famous classical musicians in the world or to ever have lived. And, um, he, he sees you and he says, Hey, Amanda, How's your album going? And you're like, how do you remember that? And then he goes to the next person. He says, are you writing that book that you wanted to write? And they're like, yeah. He's like, you got to finish it, you know? Or like, hey, how are your kids? You know, it's like he has he cares. this capacity, yeah, to care about everyone. You think someone of that caliber is like too focused on their own work? Not they- even focused? Like, how do you have that much capacity for other people that and and then especially with a, such a large management team around them <laughs> it's insane that he's still yeah it's really beautiful and like you know just just that somebody cares about you like that is is really it makes you want someone to, that you look up to yeah yeah, yeah it really yeah. makes you want to push and, and you know and so how can you frame someone that you are inspired by and not let it be someone that you're chasing i guess how can you you're always i guess being the better version of yourself instead of constantly comparing yourself to someone else right and you're working together yeah it's a partnership wow you know it's not um i mean it's also a mentorship Mm. but uh i think once you once you frame it like we're working together okay it changes the goals and how you feel about is that is that how you frame you and your students yeah okay yeah okay (laughs) yeah we're all working together are they like how what are your thoughts on like competition is it like when you're like oh this kid's like one song ahead of me Mm. right how do you not let that consume you me or my kids both like if if back in the day like if you were to use you know come from that train of thought or your kids these days what do you what do you try to remind them well um that's a cool question because I do I have that situation with some of my kids but um they might be working on different things maybe one is working on a piece that's more in the future in the book you know but that doesn't say anything about it doesn't say a lot about their level um and maybe maybe one student is a little further behind, but we're improvising yeah. at like an amazing level. You know, I have some students that can't, you know, that they're weaker at note reading perhaps, mm. but they have an amazing ear or, you know, they are shy and like improvising is really hard for them. But if you give them some music, they can kill it. And they're just like, bam, 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 you know? Uh-huh. And so it's it's really like playing to their strengths. Okay. So I don't think that 
where you are quote you know like where you are in a book or like um you know how strong x is or y is you know i don't think that says everything about you as a musician you can yeah. you can be a great musician in a number of ways yeah okay that's cool yeah there's no linear path to being great mm-hmm. okay. no linear path is that the quote i don't know okay <laughs> that's all i had oh that's all you had that's all, i mean is there anything else you want to put out into the universe no i could sit here all day damn this is great. Yeah, I don't really, that's, I just really, I'm, I learned a lot. Actually, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me. This was really fun. Where can people find you hanging out? So on, on the Instagram at Lil Sharp, L-I-L-S-H-A-R-P. Raps. Raps. Sorry. Thanks for including that. Lil Sharp, Lil Sharp Raps. raps. Um, that's yeah. my Instagram. That's my Twitter. <laughs> I don't use Twitter, but <laughs> if I were to, that's my handle. Uh, you'll see things on there every now and then. Um... Yeah, got a Facebook. Ooh. I got a website. Wait, and where can people like physically find you hanging out? Like, oh yeah. What venues do you usually play at? Um, well, on the weekends, I'm always at uh, a club. I play with DJs on the weekends. Oh, I didn't um, know that. What? Yeah, oh, that's where cool. you saw me. At, at oh, I guess that guess that makes yeah, sense. Like, yeah, like DJs yeah. are going. I'm, I'm thinking like nightclubs, like a real like. Oh, <laughs> I am at a few nightclubs. Oh, you are? Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've played Prism, which is a, oh, okay. a sick place. Um, Bodega, which is a hidden nightclub. So DM me for the guest list. Oh. And uh, Bandit and The Vig. So you can catch me all over the city, really. Interesting. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. Guys, thanks for tuning in. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Stay curious. Abla aloha. <laughs> <laughs>